Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey, a channel of blessing and encouragement for friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We have stories of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we have the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job. I'm very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz in Jovellanos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as chief connection makers in the United States. Our team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants is dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. And so we pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons and reflections and the testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey, welcome. Uh, last week in the program, I, I introduced you to a storytelling device that I called Traveling Through Time. That's a bit corny, I realize, but there, it's got a purpose. And, and the purpose is to share some testimony about a significant day. That was September 19th. And two men whose influence and presence have had great impact in my life. One was my little brother and partner in ministry, Joseito Santiago, who will always be among the most important men I've ever known and loved. And the other is the poet, writer, musician, Rich Mullins, who I never knew personally, but whose legacy has encouraged and challenged and helped me to grow in faith over the last 25 years. Now, my original plan for today was to just simply continue to tell you more about them. Uh, but I'm going to extend this, I think, to a three-part reflection and introduce you to one other man whose influence also moves deeply in my life even today. Psalm 40, verse 12, David writes, For troubles without numbers around me, and my sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They're more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails within me. Now, the Irish rock star Bono of the band U2 used to call King David the world's first blues singer. Because, you know, David could write incredible words of praise and heartfelt confessions, but David was also a champion at lament. Here's another example from Psalm 6. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul's in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? I'm worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and they fail. Last week when I began writing this series, I really didn't set out to write my own lamentations or to really share anything that I thought would be all that hard to hear. But then as my thoughts began taking shape, I, I'm feeling compelled to let this series just go where it wants to go. And even if that means I'm a little uncomfortable with wherever the time machine might take us. So let's do it. Let's take another trip. We're in the early 1970s now. Uh, my parents have been split up for a year or so, and I spend nearly every weekend with my dad a World War II veteran, a professional house painter, and an even more proficient alcoholic. I know now that he suffered from what was then called combat fatigue from the war in the Pacific. We would call it post-traumatic stress disorder now. The far-off island of Guadalcanal had robbed us of the man with whom Mom had fallen in love. And the guy I knew as a boy was prone to violence, and he abused my mother and my older siblings to the point where she had to leave him. One summer Saturday morning at my dad's house, when my neighborhood friends and I ran out the back door to play, we discovered that my slide and my swing set, which we had enjoyed the previous weekend, were missing from their normal space in the yard. My dad's response to my tears was, well, I sold them because... No one ever uses them. No one. <laughs> that was me. And somehow, even at eight years old, I could tell it was about more than the swing set. 
He may have sold it, but it was clear that the action meant something else. My father was turning away from me, from no one. So the next summer, my dad decides to paint the house, and he enlists my older brother and I to help with the project. And so each weekend for a month or so, we would show up, and each weekend he would tell us both how incapable we were, what we didn't know, and how we couldn't do things well or in the right way. And that really stuck. Last week, we closed the program with Rich Mullen's essay on a remodeling project and the inherent frustrations for those of us who perceive that we lack the skills to do it successfully. Speaking the good news or the gospel to the addict that he's working to restore, uh, Rich has words that resonate deeply in me. He said, I know how it hurts to be torn up. I'm often choked on the litter left by my own remodeling. I know what it's like to settle by the grave act of a strong will into the despair of believing that you are wasted space. I have felt the blows of heavy hammers that nailed me to a sense of uselessness. I have been shaped by some pretty careless workers who came to the task of making me and lacked any craftsmanship or artistry. Now, having been convinced by my dad of my incapacity to build or renovate when I was nine years old, I struggle mightily with these kinds of projects even now, and I'm 58 years old. That's a little embarrassing to admit. And you know, the fact is I have a track record of success at these things that goes back almost 20 years. With the help of brothers in arms, I have executed a large-scale rescue remodel of my invalid aunt's home. And in my own houses, I've installed fences and patio walls, leveled a sloping backyard to install a playset for my kids, which I built, and resurfaced my driveway. I've hung new shutters, laid flooring, stripped layers of paint to restore wood, built new woodwork. Replace light fixtures, electrical outlets, and faucets. I have sized and installed stair balusters, hung doors, and designed and carried out renovation of four bathrooms. And I have lost track of the number of spaces that I have successfully painted. But do you know something? In carrying out nearly every one of these efforts to renew and restore and rebuild or renovate, I have been relentlessly cruel to myself. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, words that were hammered into me and attitudes that I sensed as a kid have managed to convince me that I can't do much more than the demolition. It's like self-flagellation through home remodeling. Just a couple of weeks ago, my youngest daughter spoke up and told me I am much too hard on myself in these projects. But honestly, my, my dear daughter, it's much deeper than that. I'm really kind of hesitant to say this and to continue this thread of discussion in this particular forum, but I tell you every week that we have testimonies of what God is doing in and through us, <laughs> and so here we go. You see, God seems quite willing to work through me on things that may sound impressive, but at the same time, the Lord is still working in me, like an old attic apartment or a house painting project that cannot seem to be convinced that it will emerge well from the transformation. We're going to take a moment for a short break, so stay with us for more on The Ancient Path. At Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed, to see people set free from what holds them captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you would like to be a covenant financial partner or just simply contribute to the work of the ministry, visit our website at ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we're back. 
And we're back in the time machine where we're going to jump way forward to just a couple of weeks ago, September 9, 2022. I clicked on a headline to discover that after years of legal arguments, the huge class action lawsuit against the Boy Scouts of America has been settled. Reading this story took me back to many other places in time. On August 1st, 2007, the first mission team from Norwood Grace Church arrived in Hoeanos, Cuba, and we pulled up to a house that I didn't recognize from my last trip there. When Yami emerged, something amazing was made real for me. You see, a few months before, I had gotten an email from Joseito, and he told me that he was going to make a place for me to stay in the house when I came back. Now, that sounded really sweet, but in 2007, it was illegal for any foreigner to spend a night in a Cubano household. When we got home, though, it looked completely different because my little brother had actually built a brand new room for Tani and me. Walls, ceiling, floor, electrical work, and windows. Complete renovation. In my father's house, there are many, many rooms that had never been more real to me. Now, during our stay there, Joseito and I one day sat down on the bed he'd made with his own capable hands next to the matching side tables he had welded. And aided by an incredible young interpreter, we started to pour out our hearts to each other. He talked to me about coming to faith and about being persecuted in Cuba for being a Christian. And he shared his personal struggles with a candor that remained reserved for me for the rest of his life. In turn, I told him about dad and about the abuse that began in my early childhood, including how that male role model mom was hoping I would find in a scoutmaster instead proved to be a predator and a pedophile. Years of confusion and poor choices on my part would follow. I was scared to death to be sharing all of that with him. There were certain things I just didn't want to say out loud, but as my journal recorded then, he understood. I wrote this. It said, when I looked over at him, his, his eyes were teared over. He told me that he loves and admires and respects me even more knowing my testimony. And we would spend the next 15 years doing what only true brothers do, sharing, caring, fighting, forgiving, and working together with our amazing wives. Now, by the end of 2020, 82,000 of us had reported our stories of sexual abuse at the hands of leaders, leaders who had been trusted with helping us to be physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. Having read of the settlement, I went to my computer files and I opened the claim document that I submitted two years ago. I was required to spell it all out in detail. Talk about how when I was 13 and 14, my scout troop met in the basement of Norwood Grace UMC, where memorabilia was still displayed when I returned there at 40 years old to be their pastor. I had to explain how we were groomed and plied with weekends in his home, with nights at the movies. I saw Star Wars 30 times that year and with stacks of pornography with which we were coached to um, interact. How the groups became smaller and smaller until only a couple of us went on out-of-town excursions and how he finally got me alone a couple of weekends when I had begun to give up on thinking my dad might ever care. I didn't open up to my family about what I'd been subjected to throughout my childhood until I was almost 35 years old. The fact is that most kids don't tell. We just don't know what to do with it. So if a child should trust you, please help them. And if an adult shares with you and says something for the first time, please embrace them. 
Don't ask him why it took so many years to speak it. Now, 2022 has been a wild and amazing year in both home life and ministry. Change is everywhere as our children are becoming young adults. And my beloved adopted second home country is in agony. But meanwhile, the kingdom of God is breaking in and we're experiencing great growth. More people are coming to salvation and beginning to become disciples of Christ. Also, my funniest moments of struggling with grief and a hernia at the same time have been part of this year. In the spring while I was prepping for a mission trip, I started to experience a little bit of an unusual pain. And I wasn't sure about the cause, but I tried not to pay much attention to it. En route to Hovellanos for a nearly three-week trip in late March, I was quite uncomfortable on the flight. And by the end of the first week, consulting with two doctors who had traveled with me, I was pretty certain I had an inguinal hernia. And mine was developing as far south as possible on a human body. By a text message, my doctor at home advised me that I was safe unless I couldn't, uh, quote, push things back where they belong, end quote. So I just decided to tough it out. Didn't say a thing to Yami. And at the end of my second week there, there came time to acknowledge the anniversary of Joseito's passing. Saturday evening, we held a huge worship concert in his memory, and I was tasked with leading sections of worship and singing six songs. This required a lot of physical exertion and deep breathing. And somewhere around song number four, I could feel a tearing in my groin. Ah. Uh. I had a Lord and a little brother to honor, though, and so giving into the worst pain I'd ever experienced was not an option. We sang on. Sunday morning, April the 3rd, marked one year since we lost him, and I had volunteered to teach and preach so that Yami wouldn't have to. I got up early that morning, I found an old roll of medical tape and a first aid kit, and I made a little contraption and bound my body together as best that I could, determined I was going to stand in the pulpit and speak for an hour. As the opening worship music played, I got on my knees and prayed. And while I was on the floor begging for enough relief to get through, I had a double-sided image in my head. First, I saw Jacob wrestling all night with an angel and being struck on the hip. And then I saw how if my little brother had been there, he'd have been standing over me laughing out loud as I was on the floor, praying that my groin would hold together so I could preach. I just had to laugh out loud at myself. When I got into the pulpit, I only managed to stand for the first five minutes of that hour's worth of teaching. And then I had to sit down. I told him I was going to preach like Jesus. I sat down in the chair and I positioned my iPad in my lap in such a way that I could use it to keep my insides where they belonged. And then I did my best to offer my beloved church some hope of moving into a new stage of our grief. Grief over the loss not only of Joseito, but over many, many members of our family who had finished the course of this life during the pandemic. I paraphrased some thoughts I'd heard many years ago from Rich Mullins about how in the early church, the followers of Jesus didn't celebrate birthdays. They celebrated the day of a person's death because everyone knew that on that day, their beloved brother or sister in Christ would know firsthand that in our Father's house, there are many, many rooms. Many freshly built spaces for newly renovated souls to live in for eternity. Now the Lord still has a lot of work left to do in me. And at times I am openly hostile to his renovation. Next time we get together, I'm going to finish up this sharing and I'm going to do my best to move from lamentation to something a little more encouraging. But for now, I'm going to leave you with, with my own rendering of some words and music from Rich Mullins. It's for all of us who remain works in progress, sometimes singing the blues. Well, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all 
Oh, the mountains look so big My faith just seems so small So hold me, Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You've been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of peace? And I wake up in the night and feel the dark It's so hot inside my soul, I swear There must be blisters on my heart So hold me, Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You've been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of peace? You see, surrender don't come natural to me I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want Than to take what you give that I need And I breathe my head against so many walls And now I'm falling down, I'm falling on my Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn And your grace rings out so deep It makes my resistance seem so thin So hold me, Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You've been king of my domain Won't you be my prince of peace? I'm singing, hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory, won't you be my prince of peace? Oh, you've been king of my glory, won't you be my prince of peace? This brings us to the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next time as we continue to explore the Word of God and the witness of His people. And again, be sure to check out our webpage, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. Until next time, we pray God blesses you richly. Go and be the church.